Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast show of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I'm in the studio with my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up, everybody? And in order to keep our streams going and <laughs> help us fix our broken streams, Janelle Wheeler is still holding it down from her own <laughs> studio. Yes, really excited to be here, though. Woo, we have an interview. Today, we miss you here in person to. Uh, oh, I know. I miss you guys. Balance well. out the wild, wild, you know, dude fest that is me and Matt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back soon. We're not right? alone today. <gasps> we are not alone today. We have a very special guest, and I mean special, like. I had to do like a personal, you know, bow down, you know, thank you, <laughs> worshiping did. act before we even started here. Did. Because I don't use the word like iconic very often, but I feel like it, it's it's appropriate in this case. Yeah. And so, Matt, you were very kind to line up this guest as you've been killing it on the guest front lately. Who do we have for the people today? Well, we have iconic writer Dan Jurgens today coming into the show uh, to talk Superman. Of course, how are you, sir? I'm good. Good to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to us. And of, and of course, uh, it is still weird for me to say that it is the 30th yeah. <laughs> anniversary of the death of Superman. It's still, every time I say it out loud, it's just like super surreal for me. Um, so of course, they're doing a big, uh, DC's doing a big 30th anniversary special. And it, what's awesome about it, of course, is that it has so many of the original teams and including yourself. Uh, and so just to kind of start us off a little bit, you know, I guess, how do you feel, what can you tease about um, jumping into this project and the story? And then also, how do you feel that event, uh, that iconic event, has kind of changed Superman over the years? Well, there are a lot of answers to that question because there are several <laughs> questions there. Uh, in terms of the special, I would say that um, it, it's been a very fun project that works on a couple of dual purposes. One is that yes, as you mentioned, it gets the original crew back together. So if we go back to when we did the death of Superman, there were four books, uh, Superman, Action Comics, Adventures of Superman and Man of Steel that were done by four creative teams that worked very tightly together to kind of provide one complete story across four books. In a way, we were a weekly comic. Uh, and certainly while we were doing the death of Superman, we were that. So we got the same crew back together again. Um, uh, at that time, I was writing and drawing Superman with Brett Breeding on inks. Uh, we have the action team of uh, Butch Geis and Roger Stern back together. 
On Man of Steel, it was Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov. And on Adventures of Superman, it was Jerry Ordway as writer with Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood as art as artists. So what we said is, what if we were going to do kind of a commemorative special uh, marking the fact that 30 years ago, we had done this big death of Superman story. So we would do kind of a modern take on it that would work a couple of ways. One of which is, if you were there at the time and you saw what the craziness and insanity was like, the lines around the block at every comic book store in the country, people desperately trying to get their copy. If you remember those days and everything that went on, this will definitely bring back some fond memories. If you weren't there, there's new stuff in this that, that will appeal to you and launch some story material going forward. And at the same time, you know, you'll find out a little bit about what was happening then and what it was all about. So I think it's a, it's a fun, fun project. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I definitely remember those days. <laughs> I think that, that was seriously, I think the first time that I remember a comic book story overtaking the pop culture zeitgeist to the point where every week, like week to week, we were on our edge of our seat, like, like a TV show to see what was happening. And it was such a great story about just doomsday's progression saying, oh my God, knowing this thing was coming. And just, I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was quite a time. It was quite a time. Yeah. It's so it's so awesome, by the way, to see Kofi so jazzed. <laughs> he does not get this excited for interviews. This is awesome. I love it so much. I, I, stop, stop, for, for stop putting on my trade secrets. Stop. <laughs> You're making me look left. Um, <laughs> uh, well, and you know, one of the things too that this uh, issue will do, and and you kind of mentioned it, we'll set up some new things, uh, introduce some new characters, and of course, Doombreaker uh, is one of the ones that has been getting the most attention. Um, obviously, anytime you introduce a character any way associated with Doomsday, it's gonna be it's gonna be big news and it's gonna it's gonna be a kind of a big attraction. Um, what was the thought kind of process going into like designing the character? Um, it's just the overall look and, and as far as what do you kind of hope to see for that character moving forward? Well I think part of it was and again, we, did, we didn't just want to do something that was going to be, oh, here's what happened 30 years ago, and here's our travel log through the story. We wanted to do something that would hit on something new. And to find an aspect of what did happen in the fight with Superman uh, between him and Doomsday all those years ago and use it now. And we do that by bringing John Kent into the story and adding a new element where Yes, this harkens back to Superman 75 and that fight scene in particular, but also sets us up with a new character called Doombreaker and is something that can go forward a little bit with future story material. So again, it's it's that combination of old and new that I think works very, very well um, that does provide kind of this platform to launch us into new stuff going forward. Absolutely. Dan, I wanted to kind of maybe pull back and ask you a broader question as somebody who's so associated with creating such memorable and iconic versions in Superman stories. The kind of, there's this macro question that's been hanging around for many years, which is what kind of Superman do we need for these days and times right now? And I think it would be a shame if I didn't take the opportunity to ask you of all people, what is your thought process on just that large question, however you want to take it? from the comic book pages to movie screens and TV, what kind of take on Superman do you think we need right now? In many ways, I would say it, it's kind of the same that Superman 
in a way, has always been. If we go back to his original introduction in 1938, Superman was clearly sort of this champion of the people, um, this champion of justice that that fought, you know, lower level things, you know, even like slumlords, if we go back to those very early appearances. But I think in terms of Superman representing these ideals of truth and justice, um, those are things that never fall out of favor. So I don't know that we need a changed Superman. I think what we do have are times where those things become a little more relevant and a little more important than perhaps they were, you know, a couple of years ago. And I think Superman represents that. And one of the things I've always been asked over the years was this idea of, well, has, has Superman fall, fallen, out of flavor, fallen out of favor? Is he too much the big blue boy scout or are his um, ideals too retro and too old? And to that, I have always said, well, if you're going to say that someone is doing the that if someone who is doing the right thing is kind of too old school or someone who does represent truth and justice is too old school, that's not a commentary on the character. That's a commentary on us. And, and so I think what Superman always is able to do is provide this touch point where we can look at ourselves through him in a way. And, and when we do find out that we have, maybe this greater need for Superman. I think it's because we're the ones who have drifted too far, not Superman. Oh. Dang. Wow. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I know if we had a mic drop animation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would work out really well. Um, you know, uh, the other thing we need to talk about, obviously, is that uh, Action Comics um, is going to be doing a really special big issue. And you're going to be bringing back Lois and Clark, uh, which was, you know, really well received uh, when the first series came out. So much so that it kind of it continued, even though like the rest of the universe <laughs> was being kind of turned upside down. And, and that became a, a really fan favorite. So now you're bringing it back for Lois and Clark, too, uh, in Action Comics 1050. What can you tease about that story? And, and is that like a time frame and a story that you had been wanting to return to for a minute? So if, if we look at the 30th anniversary special that will be out next week, um, we, we see the Kent family in Metropolis. So it's Clark, Lois, and John. And at this point, John is still about nine years old. Um, and this is where he finds out really about Doomsday and the fact that his father died. And so this does take us back to a very particular era. So launching out of that story then, um, Lee Weeks are, and I are going to start a, a backup story in Action Comics 1051, which again follows Lois, Clark, and John when John is still a kid, nine years old, really starting to figure out, gee, I have gotten these powers. What can I do with them? Um, and it puts us in that, that, that same sort of environment back then, because if we look at the miniseries that we did, uh, we had the Kent family living in California on a farm, kind of with a secret life a little bit. Lost had become um, more of a novelist and, and a reporter on the side. Neither one were working for the Daily Planet. And kind of the setup for the story is, is well, let's just say that this Death of Superman special has a big fight in it that tears up the streets of Metropolis. So Perry White tells the Daily Planet crew, look, you know, it's too hard to get into Metropolis now. The streets are a mess. The buildings have been damaged. Everybody gets to work remotely, um, much as we're all experiencing anyway. 
So the Kent family decides to go back to California. That's the setup for our series as, as it starts in action um, 1051. And it takes us back to those fun times when I think um, we really kind of humanized the Kent family a little bit. And we got to see John emerge, really begin to emerge as a principal character in the DCU. Yeah, well, that's I mean, I have truly uh, enjoyed seeing the character of Jonathan Kent, uh, you know, the, the jump forward, like was a, was a shock at one point in time, uh, in his life, because there is a lot of material there to explore, but I have enjoyed just seeing, you know, those new relationships and dynamics, but it's also awesome to have this. <laughs> so, cause I feel like there was so much time that, you know, we didn't, we didn't really get to spend extra time with the character and there was so much to really enjoy there. So I, I am for one, very excited. Uh, to be returning to that for a while. Um, any plans? So is that going to be, is that have a um, finishing? Like, is that going to be a certain number of issues that that story is continuing? Or is that kind of an ongoing backup story in action? Right now we're slated to do, I think it's either six or seven for our first story arc. After that, we'll see. Okay, awesome. That's so uh, exciting. Yeah, well, uh, I'm the big movie and TV show buff. I like sitting in front of a screen. So I got to I gotta talk to you about the recent news um, about Henry Cavill returning to his role as Superman in the DC movie franchise. How do you feel about that news and him as Superman? Well, I think it's stunning. And, and when I say stunning, I mean stunningly good. Uh, oh. I think Henry Cavill really does this, this great... Superman, where he personifies the character. Um, part of it is people have always asked me about drawing Superman, what is entailed in that. And one of the things I talk about is Superman having a certain sense of presence on the page that if he's um, in a room with the Justice League, he, he should be a figure of attention. He should have almost um, kind of a sense of nobility about him, but not one that is terribly assuming, like he's trying to put on airs. And I think Henry Cavill captures that and is able to portray that on screen in a natural way. So you don't even perceive that he's doing it. It's just there. And it kind of works on almost um, a sort of a subliminal level. So I think it's fantastic. And I certainly look forward to seeing a lot more of him in the suit. That's so great. As a follow up really quickly, do you let what is going on in the DC, like the movie universe, kind of influence or affect your work? Do you like try to tie it together? Or do you like pick up on the looks of certain actors or anything like that? I, I think it's more the other way around. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've seen more of my influence there than what I've seen from there in my work. And I think that's partially because, you know, they have so much of our material to draw from. Um, certainly like in Batman versus Superman, uh, where, you know, the, for us to react to the movies is much more difficult because they're more infrequent and more sporadic, but that's, that's just my history. Nice. Gosh, I, I could sit here and talk to you about this all day. <laughs> what do you think about Witcher? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just everything Henry Cavill. We're good. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, I, I know uh, we've got to let you go. So I, I truly appreciate your time. Uh, you, well, he's got to know. Since we're talking. How did you feel about the adaptation of so much of your work you were talking about in the movies, specifically like Batman versus Superman was one where you, even the ultimate edition was one where I thought you clearly had your work really influence that movie. How did you feel about that? 
Well, one of the odd things about the death of Superman, you know, yes, it was 30 years ago, but it has stayed alive in part because of all the different um, interpretations of it that have been done. We've had several animated attempts. We've seen Doomsday show up in animation. We've seen Doomsday show up in video games. We've seen him in live action, whether it was on the Krypton series, the Smallville TV series, or, you know, as we talked about Batman versus Superman. And, and to kind of see that character come alive that way, it really is uh, a lot of fun and a great experience. Just it is, is to see them, you know, replicate scenes from the death of Superman, like Lois holding Superman's body. So when you see your work uh, taken and reinterpreted on the big screen like that, I mean, it is, it really is a kick and it's, it's a lot of fun to see. And I look forward to seeing what comes in the future. Awesome. Absolutely. And it, it also just makes me happy that like the way we're talking about that original story, the way we're excited for these kind of new angles on that story and kind of seeing how that progresses. I'm excited for a whole new generation of fans that gets to like jump into this. If they haven't kind of, they weren't around during that time, they really get to see what some of that was and was like, and we get to see new things from that. I'm very excited for the 30th anniversary special and that comes out November 8th. So yeah, I'm super excited. I'm yeah. getting this one and I'm adding it with my unopened copy of the death, my original cup, my open copy of the death. And now this one, you have your wristband. Do you have your, your, uh, your armband? Yes, I do. Yeah, you do. You know, <laughs> there's a new one. There you go. All right. Oh, yes. man. Thank you, Dan, for coming on. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Very My much. pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for having Dan. me. So much. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess awesome. we got to do a show after that. <laughs> We're good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's like I came to a concert and I saw the oh. act I wanted to see and now... I guess the parking lot, <laughs> I'm parked way in, so I, I guess a bit. Um, That's great. All right, rest of the show, Comic Book Nation. We are your one-stop shop for all things geek culture. That was our talk with Superman icon writer Dan Jurgens, and Death of Superman 30th anniversary is coming up. And as we, if you couldn't tell, we have so many memories. That was, that was one of the first times, honestly, before I, that I ever that I knew that comic book culture would become mainstream culture one day. Yeah. That was one of the first pieces of evidence I saw because like I said, he's not wrong. Comic book stores lines out the door. Yep. It was in every newspaper. It was on TV entertainment tonight when they didn't do everything we did. They were covering <laughs> death. Superman in a comic book. And like, yeah, those things were hot commodities. Like getting that, getting that unopened sign of death and just keeping one unopened because yep. it came in this plastic bag with his black bag and you know there was a body bag essentially and you know not only do i still have that sealed and unsealed i know where they are yeah like i've kept track of oh them. no those are with my like yeah. high like i have a star wars number one comic <laughs> that's like signed there's like, a yeah, lot there's of there's comics lot of... that i have that i could not tell you where they are yeah <laughs> if you see me pulling up the floorboards <laughs> in my like little shifting wood panel floorboards on my floor oh, you think yeah. it's like a whole safe of money but it's like comic it's stuff comics. and like yes yeah, <laughs> That are like my retirement oh my plans. Um, so, all right, we got to do the rest of this show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, from DC Talk to DC Talk, we part of our job here at Comic Book is we have to follow along with all these weird investors' calls. Like, if you don't know, all the major studios got to let all the money men know that they're not going crazy and they still have plans to make money and how they, like, when a fiscal quarter ends. 
they do, you know, a check-in like, Hey, here's how we did this quarter. Here's what we're planning. And like, here's how things are going. Yesterday's was wild, bro. <laughs> like it was wild. It Zazzy, was like Zazlab. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Warner Brothers Discovery new CEO is David Zazlab. And uh, this man's like hardcore East Coaster, like from his accent just down to everything. And so this was his real first yeah. investors call. And we have to do this for Disney, mm -hmm. for and Disney and Warner Brothers are the two biggest ones we have to do because they're two big mega corporations with all these properties and IPs, theme parks, and all that stuff. So this was the first one for DC since we got the whole DC Studios yeah. announcement and James Gunn of it all and all that. And it was wild. Just some behind the scenes stuff for you guys. It was wild. We were all listening to this as a crew, as the whole comic book crew, because yeah. we were writing up what they were saying. And we were all just like cracking up, man. It was like, because it was one of the most. It was most... like listening to Crank Acres or something. Well, you've oh been, my God. Well, like you mentioned, right? You do a lot of these, and like even like WWE does their own like financial quarterly call, NXT does theirs, right? So you get a different flavor of like everybody's approach. And Disney's very like, you know, like if, especially the ones with Iger before, like they're very like orderly. We're moving through the things you're going to get like a little information, but like not a ton. Like you really have to kind of, you know, press to get those bigger answers. Zazlaz was like, he was just giving all like he was really. And that is one thing I will say, like he was honest on a lot of stuff. Like when he got a question or when there was something he talked about, he would give you that extra mile of detail. Or <laughs> Sometimes he got roasted for it, but like, it was one of the most. It was one of the most entertaining. Oh yeah, calls easy, uh, easy, and so like you know, it's uh, if that's what you know the future ones will be. I don't know. That's like demand. That's like tuning. I need to, to, to watch. That's a show. I need to watch. <laughs> to watch. It is no. Oh no, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm in just for the Zaz Lab. <laughs> It was nuts. But he was like, he was like, hey, 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 look in here. We want to make money. We're not doing makes money that doesn't make money. We look at it. Did it make money? Yes. Okay. We move it over. Did it not make money? No. Stop talking about it. Next question. You know, like, <laughs> Zazlav's turned into the animated. It was so I mean, great. I just want to like an I mean, entire me recap on my coffee. <laughs> oh my oh God. man. So anyway, the actual news we got out of this thing. So, um, yeah. So there's sequel plans for the Batman 2. Well, okay. So uh, yeah. the biggest thing would be the HBO Max and yes, Discovery. Discovery Plus. Yes, they're replacing HBO Max already. And it's coming sooner wild. than we expected. Because it was spring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, spring of 2020. Yeah. Th wait, this spring? Or 2023? I uh, I, well, that would be spring 2023. Oh, yeah. Spring 2023. Yeah, okay, so, doing, we're all doing it. I know. No. <laughs> so, um, which is great news, actually. Because... Right now, it's just this weird, like what? Yeah, you're all the same company, but like, there's still you, you still have to sign up for Discovery Plus if you want Spring like all of the Food Network stuff, which like, I'm a yeah, huge I love fan. Food Network <laughs> stuff. I yeah. know, right? So oh, yeah. especially for, for the holidays. Like, there's a yeah. kids show on there. That's, yeah, that's uh, all that, the Ember loves, and like we have to sign up for this. So like, it'll be nice to have it all together. And then that also led to him like you know talking like he addressed all the cuts they made to HBO Max recently, which was like a ton of show. What was it 37? Yeah. It was like 37 like Whoa. projects that they were just like, nah, you know, we're not going to continue to do those. And look, he gave his answer and, uh, you know, it's very direct and very, yeah, I can, I can see 
while I might disagree with the like how much or the extent the the how many of the cuts they made or what things the reasoning is as it kind of goes with everything else they've done. I mean, this is the same company that, you know, wrote off the whole movie. So if there's a bunch of shows or whatever that aren't producing the uh, the views to their whatever their metrics are, um, you know, they're going to they've been very like, no, we're going to cut like this stuff like we have to we have to cut debt and we have to do this. So it was very on brand for what so far this has um, this has been uh, the other thing. The other big thing that drew a lot of ire, though, uh, was that him saying that uh, he is, you know, he wants to work with J.K. Rowling again. No, well, okay, let's be careful here. He said that he was going through like he was basically it was a weird thing because he was kind of crapping on what had been happening there while saying this is what we're going to fix at the same time. So it was kind of like a slap and a hug at the at all at once. <laughs> but what he said is he, they he had married. He yeah. hopes to no, work. He, with yeah, her. he said if. But what he said something was like if we can find a way to work, you know, right, work yeah. with her because they stalled yeah. the the other movies. What are he didn't say stalled. is we are not walk, working with her, which is what some people that's really true. Really wanted he to did say that. That's true. Yeah, he did not say we yeah. are working with her. No, he didn't. But he didn't say we're not working with her. Right, of, which is what some people are mad about. Yeah, and, and so yeah, but he was talking about how. Yeah, it was weird because he was talking about how they've kind of dropped the ball. Like he was saying, we haven't had a Harry Potter anything in like, you know, a minute. Not yeah, wrong. Not like anything. And we're going to find a way to do that if we can find a way to work with JK again. And it was just like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And at that point, we were all like somebody, we were all in the chat, like hit his mute button. Like tap his <laughs> button. Stop, <laughs> him. stop him. Where's his PR rep? Yeah, like, just don't, <laughs> Tell him, don't, even... don't say that. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Um, um, but um, HBO Max Discovery makes sense because He's not completely wrong. Like HBO Max is great. It has that prestige stuff. It has DC stuff. But HBO has always been weak in the trash TV department. The the stuff that you'll sit down and mindlessly watch. Yeah. You go yes. to HBO for something like you're gonna watch and you're in and you're out. And yeah. That's the problem. Yep. You don't run HBO Max all day. Nobody right. does. You need these services that you run all day or at least for hours at a time. Peacock, I could put on the office, let it go, and then yep. I don't come back and I'm folding laundry. I come back and like Three hours and like, oh, we still have this one. <laughs> yes. Netflix. The one thing. change to the or the one um the one exception is Friends. Yeah. And that's True. but that's the that's the exception. That's the one yeah, thing. And, and they need more of those. If you show me one more interview with one of those people, I'm uh -oh. I'm I never watch it anyway, but I'm gonna burn it off the streaming. You never watch Friends? No. Oh my I god. Friends, friends, those people are terrible. If you didn't see the Matthew Perry interview, yes. they're terrible. I'm they were terrible show, in the though. 90s, I'm and I knew that. No, I didn't and see this. I did this. not want to see a show with one type of people all being friends, hanging out in an impossibly rent situation in New York City. I didn't need that, and I still don't, so I'm good. <laughs> but, and now that I, like, I just, more and more I hear about these actors, they just never turn out to be that great. Like, so don't meet your heroes, kids. <laughs> yeah. Seinfeld every every single celebrity, I'm telling you, no. every single one. Chris, Chris, Chip, Seinfeld is no, better than it is not. Yes, you can. You can yes. What are we no, doing in this not. show? No, How I Met Your Mother is the best. What is Seinfeld is, is ten what times is better, better than Friends. What is better? What is your qualification though for better? Funnier because funnier. it's not funnier to me. Better produced, no clues. better written, better characters. I won't argue with better on stories. produced. I won't argue with better stories. More popular. Across things. More popular? No, it's not more popular than Friends. Yes, it there is. is <laughs> what is the metric? They need me there, guys. They need me to just ourselves here. separate them. Ten people who look like you, ten people who look like me, yes. and ask them to run down a Friends episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> people 
people who look I like me, like ten people you, who look like you, and ask them to run down a Seinfeld. Wale made a whole Seinfeld album. I'm saying we're not talking. Okay, but that is a. So you're saying thank you, Brywood. Brywood, thank you. Brywood, I can't say this, but thank you, Brywood, okay, for saying it but, for me. Okay, the show. Okay, well, okay, we can't go. No, we're thank not you, derailing Brywood. this. Thank we're you. not derailing this because I have follow up questions. And I, we're not. Yeah, derailing. we're getting derailed here. All right. So uh, the other big thing uh, was not actually from <laughs> the conference, uh, but it was um, the Batman Two. How do I pronounce his name? I always feel like. Oh, uh, Barry Keegan. Is it Keegan? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of threw out some things of like that he is. He has not heard like if he's going to be involved in the Batman sequels or any of that. However, if he is. He's prepared because he has a whole, but he developed a whole backstory, a whole thing to his Joker that debuted in that deleted scene mm -hmm. uh, that got everybody talking. So to me, it's kind of like, how do you like yeah. ignore that? Like, how do you ignore that? You're going to bring him in, in some way. He might not be the main villain, but like, we're going to involve that, you know? We need uh, him in some way. So, um, yeah. So I, to me, that, that for someone who has been on Batman burnout, but still loves the Joker, does that ex does that make you happy, Janelle? Like, are you excited? Yeah, about I am. Um, you know, I, honestly, I've kind of come full circle on my Batman burnout. Um, I had my moments and even Joker, I was starting to get a little burned out, but it's been long enough since, you know, we've had a big Joker movement to where I'm really excited. Plus, I dressed as Joker again for Halloween. And now I'm I like, I watched, <laughs> I literally every Halloween, I watch Batman with Jack Nicholson and like, I get really excited about Joker again. So like, he's my favorite Joker. So I, I kind of saw your costume, but then I saw your husband dressed as a male Harley Quinn. And then I got really confused and closed Instagram. And I, I definitely like, made him a male oh, Harley Quinn. It was great. Yeah. yeah. I got yeah. very confused. I was like, Ooh, and then I, was like, I was actually going to ask who your favorite Joker was, but now that's perfect. You, you I mean, that. yeah, the hottest one we all know is Jared Leto, but my favorite is Jack Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> my childhood. Uh, yeah. So why do we? It's a shame we don't. We need to start pulling from Janelle's Instagram. Yeah, I mean, other than if there was anything else you wanted to touch on from the HBO Mac oh, call, that no, was pretty much um, it. That was, that was it. Like, stuff. yeah, it was just. I mean, the Zazlap thing was clearly the funniest thing. Yeah, about that was the best it. part. Um, but yeah, it was this weird slap and a hug. It was him coming in and being like, Daddy's here, and will you ask me questions for? Him? I'm fixing this crap. They made a crap mess out of all this, and I'm here to fix it. And we're gonna make money. Question: Is any pricing gonna change or anything? Or they pointed out that HBO Max has not had a price change in three years, okay. and I think that was the soft buildup to tell us we get a price. Change. <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah. It's also, in, it's the most expensive one. So, like, that's why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sixteen something dollars yeah. a month. It's not cheap. So that's um, wild. I have it included in my cell phone plan. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. That's uh, to me. That's the one that hurts the most. Yeah. Is because oh, yeah. I, because of what Kofi said. It's not on all day. No, I can make that excuse for like Netflix. I can make the excuse for Amazon Prime Video, mm -hmm. uh, Peacock. Those can be Hulu. Those are have shows that like like Aniso or Ember or me will go on kind of binges and we'll yeah. just have it on in the background. Right. HBO Max doesn't have that aside from Friends and I will say League of Super Pets got played for like two weeks straight. Oh, you're still going. It's still rolling in my head. Ember <laughs> loves that movie and so do I. That's a great movie. Um, so yeah, so like other than that though, that price hurts. So when like there's not a big House of the Dragon or something commanding your attention, that's the one that's always on the Bubble Back, for me. Yeah, you forget about it. Yeah, it's like 20 bucks, man. So yeah, I will and, be bummed. That and I will say thing. HBO Max does have the best lineup of movies, but you have to remember that and go and go in there and look at right. the movie, yeah. which is harder to do when you're a parent.
But this will, I mean, they, they will have their boot on our necks, but they'll be able to. Because just the Food Network alone, half of you are all paying for that to watch that all day still. Like, right. So, well, that's Discovery. Yeah, they're going to have their foot on our catalog. Necks, so we can't do anything. Actually, like, because doesn't Discovery also have like TLC? Yep, they have all Pawn the Stars, TV. baby. I will be watching it's, Pawn Stars on It's really loop. genius. It's prestige content that you only watch sometimes, movies that you only watch yep. sometimes, and yeah. then trash TV to fill in the gaps. It's so actually going to be genius. Yeah. I'm not mad at the idea. No. I'm thinking like, I would have never put those together because right. they're so separate, but that's what they need. Yeah, like, each that's what need they need. That. Discovery needs to look less trashy. HBO needs a little bit more fun, bingeable mm -hmm. TV. I watch Pawn Stars on YouTube right now. Yeah. So if you give me a thing to have it on, I'm I'm game. Exactly. Justify yeah, my yeah. Yeah. All right. We need to take a break. Yeah, we need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm We're just sipping my coffee, listening to you guys go ham, and I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. We're in weird places. We this put, has been uh, such a bad show. We're going to talk about Andor, The Witcher, WWE, and comics, and just show you guys why we are the one show that does it all for geek culture. So stay tuned. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So, welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the show where me and Matt are going to the internet right after this to figure out if Friends or Seinfeld is more popular. <laughs> a pressing, pressing thing we need to figure out. So are you going to run a poll? Yeah, we're going to do a poll. Yeah, on Twitter? Poll. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, all right, back to the show and holding this whole thing together. So, <laughs> let's talk about our TV recaps um, for this week. First of all, um, I'm going to talk Andor. I can reveal to you guys now that I got to see both, or I did tell you last week, I got to see Andor episodes 9 and 10. Oh. So I've seen the one after this. No! And I will not spoil a thing for you, but all I will say to get you guys hyped is if you thought that heist was something, you better strap in. Andor episode 10. You better be there. Um, Andor Ooh. episode 9. Uh, this show, I I've written so many articles this week about it. Some of them have been even looked at and picked up and seen by some of the people in the show. But just talking about, you know, it's criminal that people aren't watching this more than they are. And Andor is doing okay. I'm not saying yeah. it's like doomed, but this should be a much bigger talking point. And I wrote a whole breakdown of what's going on with the Star Wars franchise. But I also think that Disney, and I wrote a separate article saying that I think Disney is the one who's responsible a little bit for this. I don't think Andor is the regular kind of pulpy comic, you know, genre content that we're used to getting from Disney+. Plus. There's nothing about it that's going to make you want to stay up at 2 a.m. and watch right. this or 3 a.m. if you're East Coast. There's not enough like Twitter feeding things like, oh, my God, those sit up, you know, the yeah. Leo DiCaprio memes. 
There's none of that. It's serious discussion stuff that you come away. You actually have to watch this, think about it, maybe even read some pieces about breaking it down and what the meanings and metaphors are. And you start thinking about it and you discuss it. I think Disney needs to move this to like a prestige slot, like Sunday nights, put it out Sunday night, mm. put it out prime time or even early, like yeah. o'clock, seven o'clock Eastern time. Yep. And we watch it like where our brains are trained to watch an HBO show or yeah. a prestige show so that we can watch it in real time, be awake enough to all start some kind of discourse and discussion. What did this mean? Oh, what was that? That was crazy. That's what they need to do for season two, because the Wednesday, Thursday slot stuff, it, it's just not right. It gets for lost the in the shuffle. Yeah. I barely right hear about this show and I'm on like, I'm on social media all the time, like just because of the nature of our jobs. Right. So like, mm -hmm. I don't see it. Like it just gets buried under yeah. everything else that happens during those hours all throughout the week, whether it's just big news yeah. dropping conference things. Like yeah. I heard all about the HBO max stuff all day. Like I didn't hear one thing about like, teasing and or or hey what happened like it just gets buried and that's unfortunate you know yeah mm -hmm. so i think i think it's just kind of a dual thing fans aren't used to star wars prestige content um i do another show where i talk to my old friends rob keys and ben kendrick and we were talking about this this is the first time disney plus has actually put out a prestige content thing that you say should be on an award stage possibly with like hbo content or AMC in their heyday, Netflix in their heyday, and putting out that type of show. We've never seen it from Star Wars or Disney+. Plus. Everything else has been fun, kind of like, like I said, pulpy genre stuff. So mm -hmm. I think we need to retrain our brains. I think that Disney needs to retrain their marketing department. Stop making them do featurette like, yay, we're playing in Star Wars. No, get real. <clears throat> talk about it. Talk about prison industrial complex. Talk about fascism. Talk about all the things you're dealing with in the show. Yeah. Kofi, hot take. This is probably my favorite Star Wars anything I've ever watched. Wow. That's not, a, I mean, I'm with you. I, I mean, that's the hot take as in that's the most yeah. attractive one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is, that's my thing too. And it's one of the best shows on TV right now, period. I'm actually so, like motivated. The Ringer, there was an excellent article over on the Ringer, shout out to the Ringer, about how we all have been discussing like, ooh, House of Dragon versus Rings of Power and Stranger Things and all that. And it's like coming out of this year right now, I'm like wondering, just like they were, will is it Andor that's been like the thing that I really am like most attached to this year so far? Because I am, I like this more than House of the Dragon and Rings of Power because it does say something serious. <laughs> there was a lot of great stuff in this. I uh, didn't say that, <laughs> but, but I like I like it for Star Wars. Like this is just totally oh, different. There it is. Look at this. Asterisk. All right, you arrived no, with me. For House of Dragon, um, Targaryens. No, I love that. I yeah. Know. Your bias is clear. We know you get <laughs> over House Targaryen. Um, I know, this is, <laughs> Stranger Things Stranger is things, still yeah. my favorite. Stranger Things, yeah. Like, Unbelievable. That well, that was a great event. Rules. But this is up there oh, with those. Yeah, and that's the point. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, you can put that in the discussion. Andor has been great. My, my thing to you is, because you mentioned, like, should it shift times or should it shift days? Yeah, Sunday. I would say would it have been better bingeable? Friday. Would it have been better Sunday. to been out all at once, like the Netflix? I would model? put out the three arcs. I would have put out the three arcs. Okay. Because what they do is we now know they do three episode arcs, right? Right. And so there's always this kind of like resetting of the board, build up episode, then big thing. Same think, with this prison episode. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah, the three arcs. Yeah, yeah that'd have been great. I mean, I would have done that too. But I think, and I think that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. I would do three arcs, put it, and then in that case, put it out on a Friday. Right. 
Friday, prime time, just mm-hmm. like uh, have all weekend to rings of power. Yeah, yeah. to jump into that jump and then and sustain them watching throughout a whole weekend. You know, it's three episodes, three hours, boom. But then it has weekend. that hook, right? Exactly. It has that, oh man, did you see what happened at that? And then you reset the board, yeah. move forward. I think totally. that. I, I think that could be the best of both worlds in that respect. If we get a, do we know we're getting a season two like official or not? No, no, it's already yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already green. Okay. Oh yeah, season two is already green okay. Twelve more episodes. Perfect. Right at the beginning, you know. And this next one will actually time hop, so it okay. will hop through the five years before you know this one's all happening in the same kind of period. Yeah. This next season will time hop through the rest of the years and end right when he goes to a place mentioned in this episode, Kafreen, uh, Kafreen, where the Imperial people are looking to set that trap is where he goes to that mining colony and finds out about the Death Star and that's the beginning of Rogue. Okay, man. Yeah, so, I think that three would, would roll. Yeah, so I mean Andor is so good. Please watch it. It's great. Matt, you gotta deal with the witch. Oh. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> where are we going? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's been a lot going on in the, in the witch world lately, uh, both in the games and in the shows, but of course, the biggest news uh, which just by the way, just got like dropped in the, like a random time. It, it felt like, so random. They acted like it wasn't even a big deal. They're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're yeah. like, uh, we noticed this. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It like, it's like when they announced a new cookbook or something. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is great. Like <laughs> your main actor's leaving, and then you're bringing in a big another name star. Like it, there was a lot going on there for just a kind of a press release. Uh, but uh, in, just in to give case, overall context to the mainstream people. What we're talking about well, is about the to. Netflix show <laughs> The Witcher has lost its main star, who is yes, to bring Henry, us all around. Henry Cavill. Uh, so Henry Cavill is going to be exiting the show starting with season four. So he is season three is done as far as like filming and everything. They're wrapping up posts and that'll be out next year. So we have one more season of Cavill. And then after that, Liam Hemsworth will be stepping into the role of Geralt uh, for season four. So that is kind of the big thing. More and more has come out since that initial announcement. Uh, nothing like officially concrete as to why Henry's leaving, but you know, it's it doesn't go by a lot of people's minds that like, oh, hey, last week, the week before, whatever, uh, he he just got announced to be brought back for Superman, and there's sequels being theorized, right? So there's a lot. Obviously, Superman and being back in that huge franchise has to play some sort of role. For me, it wasn't like he just ditched Witcher to at the moment he got the Superman thing. The, for those who've been paying attention as far as just like the Witchers, like filming and everything, season one and season two have had really arduous filming like uh, process. Like they want, of course, it was the pandemic playing a role, right? But then like Henry got injured. Filming had to stop multiple times, both for COVID reasons and just for like freak accident reasons. Um, you know, so like there was, there's a lot going on those last two seasons. And also it's a show and it's a, it's a heavy show as far as like time and stuff. So he gets off, he's off the board to do other projects and he still managed to fit some in, but he's off the board for those projects because of the length of time, which takes the film. So if you're looking at, well, I'm going to jump back into this franchise. Plus I want to do other stuff. It's, you can understand a bit of why he would go, okay, one more season. We've already got that in the can. We'll bring someone else in. The other big thing, though, that's that is troubling because you know one of the things is like how how are you feeling about the future of the Witcher franchise after this, right? Because because Henry is a big star. Yeah. On top of that, uh, those who kind of follow him and stuff, he is a enormous fan of the Witcher as a franchise. He he played the games 
umpteen times. That was like he sought out the role of Geralt to 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 be a part of this, and so it is disappointing to lose that. Uh, you're you're losing this just kind of big, you know, focal point uh, of the series. Um, but then there were some reports coming out that like some writers uh, over the past two seasons like weren't huge fans of um, you know Andrei Sapkowski's books, um, and so he was always kind of this kind of looked at as kind of this encyclopedia of Witcher knowledge. And he's even said, like, in season two, he pushed for more uh, to tie into the books. Lauren Hisrich, who is a showrunner, is also a huge fan of the books. So that was always what, you know, made me happy with the show. Uh, she's, a, she's a huge supporter of the books. And this show always kind of geared more towards the books instead of the games. So there's a lot to be excited about. As far as, as Liam Hemsworth, I've never had, like, a real, like, hard opinion on him either way. Like, I liked him and stuff, but he's I've never been, like, oh, he made a movie for me. Yeah. So... Like I liked him in the Hunger Games, okay. Like so, I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I will give him a chance, but it is disappointing to lose Cavill. Um, it doesn't mean like the end of. The, I've seen some, I've seen some truly trash Witcher takes on on social media when oh, this yeah. news dropped. Because now all of a sudden, like one chink in the armor shows, and like yeah, all these all people, people really oh, show what they've thought, right? One, they were waiting. Yeah, in. I was like, how long have you had that folder open on your <laughs> yeah, desktop? Like, 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 come on, don't go on Witcher memes. Stop it. Like, <laughs> So I don't like, oh, the franchise is over or anything like that. But I am, I am like, I would, I'm worried. I feel like a lot of people would be yeah. worried about how that transition will be handled, how that will go. Is Liam going to, is it going to work enough for him to kind of just stick around? Because like this was a seven, you know, there is kind of a seven season plan for this just main show. And then we have spinoffs coming. Blood Origin hits next year. Uh, there's another anime movie in development. Yeah. Um, so like there's a lot That's what I going to on here. On. So. I'm yeah, I don't think the Witcher franchise is going anywhere because Netflix leaned into it too, yeah. too much. There's so much that they've invested already in developing this property. And, you know, I may or may not have a family member who works in Netflix legal. And I know just from behind the scenes, like, yeah, when they make these decisions to kind of take on these franchises, they're not just like, they don't do it like season by season. No, Netflix yeah. pays to basically own these things for a set amount of time yeah. of viewing hours, episodes, whatever it is. So they've got The Witcher, and now they're going to do everything they can with it. Yeah. In, in, with or without Cavill. So I don't think the franchise is in danger. I think the fan response might be. Yeah. But, um, you know, Liam Hensworth will bring in a whole new thing. Not because he's done anything necessarily. Like, he's always been there. He's not even the guy who got picked in the Hunger Games, right? Like, PETA got picked. So, you know, he's always just kind of there. He's the Gale of it all. But, um you know, he has enough built-in fan base to maybe make some new people check out The Witcher. And, and supposedly he is also a fan. That's the thing. So yeah. we'll see like if that's the case. I don't know if that's just like PR. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like, hey, like he is a fan. But the showrunner's still in place. A lot of the team is still in place. The move from season one to season two, I really enjoyed as far as like shifts they made, characters. I, I love season two. Uh, I will also defend season one, <laughs> but like this scene, this episode in season two that actually is on the screen right now is like one of the best episodes of the season. And they did such a good job of like adapting the book. Uh, yeah. So I, I am hopeful for that and I'm going to give him a shot, but I am still like, there's a little part of me that's bummed completely that like Cavill is it, losing Cavill. That just sucks. Uh, there was also other big news on the gaming front. The Witcher franchise isn't going anywhere. CD Projekt Red, and you know, kind of formally announced their new trilogies in the works. It's going to be a while before that comes out. But they're also remaking the first Witcher, which for those who played that game, like going from Witcher 3 to that game is like not, not a good jump. Like, they'll do that. 
it's, it's a completely different game in a lot of respects. And they're going to kind of remake it into what Witcher 3 was, but for that setting and for that story. So I'm excited for that. So that's also coming, but that's going to be a while. So, um, Yeah, and you guys, because I'm doing so well out here today, like I said before the show started, I'm doing so awesome and firing on all cylinders. You let me skip <laughs> over the main thing that's in our graphic back here. Which is Titans. Titans. You was <laughs> I, I was gonna say it. I totally missed it. I was gonna. I was I like, maybe they. I maybe wasn't watching. Was I'm not like <laughs> on my full game this week. But that's okay. Shifted stuff around. Yes, fine. we'll shift things around. So, so. Titans, <laughs> yeah. baby. So Titans is back, baby. All right. So Titans season four is here. The first two episodes were released by HBO Max. And if you've never seen this show or if you got in, Oof. we're in season four now, but season one was me and Matt being the only two people <laughs> with a DC Universe <laughs> access code and being like one of the only 10 people who watched that very first kind of run of those DC shows <laughs> on DC Universe. <laughs> That's how long we've been repping for Titans. And so <laughs> we've been in with Titans since the beginning. And like I said, it was us and the six other people coming to this podcast who saw the show to kind of figure it out because the biggest thing we'd always get is so how do i watch this without dc universe <laughs> yeah that was the biggest question that was time. always the biggest question right <laughs> how, do I watch this? how do i watch this no i'm not doing dc universe how do i watch this oh, I oh man so and so we're back for season four and right off the bat i mean i love just first of all if you remember how it started on dc universe and the budgets they had yeah. Like the production of this show just gets better and better and better and better every year. And you can always tell by Anna Diop's uh, look yeah, at Starfire. Yeah. They, yeah. they gave her some rough wigs in the beginning. This was before, <laughs> you know, a lot of the social. <laughs> media, uh, there were a lot of just rough wiggings back then. But she looks great. Nightwing, the effects, the fights, all that stuff looks great in this, even, you know, on a TV budget. So shout out to Titans for getting that budget. You didn't even know they do the clever dodges of beast boy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dodge that beast. He's boy expensive, man. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's expensive. It is. But like that whole destruction sequence where you just see it afterwards, yeah. they Tyrion Lannister, that whole thing. Like, Oh, did the battle happen? <laughs> like, Oh, but, um, still good. And, uh, yeah, there was this season four premiere introduced a new version of Lex Luthor, which is a big deal. Anytime you're bringing, a take on Lex. In. Well over, man. Oh yeah. And, uh, they did a great job on it. I know Matt, you're bursting at the seams to talk. I'm not going to keep talking. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no I was, I was going to, I was actually going to say when you mentioned the budget thing of like beast boy, like not showing that it was so they could pay for the snakes. Yeah. Titans <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. is a little hardcore this season with the snakes Woo. and stuff coming out of everybody's mouth though. That's like one of those things I don't need to see. That's the part of alien, like where I cover my eyes. Cause <laughs> I don't like the body horror stuff. <laughs> but um yeah no it was great and like i said yeah who yeah titus welliver as uh lex, lex Luthor. man bosh. Wait, that was titus welliver yeah bosh man which by the way you should totally Wait. check you should totally check the website later because i have an interview with him he looks and we will so talk all about that <laughs> I, I recognize titus welliver like everywhere agents of shield yeah. boss like um like all that other stuff he did deadwood sons of anarchy but yeah. like I did not recognize him here. Yeah, he did. Like, he's he's so good. But yeah, also, no wonder he is so the. Good. It was so that was a great conversation to talk to him because he is like a huge comics fan. He's a huge DC fan. Dude has like Marv Wolfman like Titans like on his shelf and stuff, right? So like he wanted like he wanted this role. Like the story behind that is great. So you should check that out later. Uh, so before I go off on a on a like a fun rant, Janelle, because I know <laughs> you were actually the one that 
when when we were like, oh, hey, you want to jump in the Titans? Like you were like, you binged it. You just went. Oh, all yeah, I went the beginning, all yeah. the way to the end for last season. So, yep. Into this first two episodes, what do you think? I think that the trailer does not even do it justice. Like, I feel like the trailer didn't excite me very much. And when I tried to watch my, or I tried to get my husband to watch the show with me, it's like, you can jump in on this season. You're fine. And we watched the trailer. He wasn't about it. Yeah. Um, and then when I actually started watching these episodes, I, it felt that, like the stakes were really, really high. Everything was super believable in a superhero way, obviously. Yeah. Um, and really, really well done. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the one thing I want to say is like, if you, I, I really feel like you could jump in here because they're starting in like a whole different city. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't really have to know these characters all the way through and through. I really feel like you could watch this from start. It feels different. Like this, it's a shift, obviously. And I like how they're trying to add like synths to make it kind of Stranger Things E in like certain <laughs> music parts. Um, the costumes are fantastic. Everyone just does such a great job. And shout out to anyone who watched Vampire Diaries. Klaus is in this and he's still pretty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no i actually think you, you bring up a good point in that you could this is actually a great launching point like if you mm-hmm. are yes you'll have some questions but you know those questions might just get you to kind of go catch up on some recap clips or something right. um this is actually a really good starting point because not only are we starting in a new city not only are we bringing in like lex luther has never been in the show before that's a brand new character for this universe but then also we're dealing with the supernatural. We're dealing with magic and we really haven't dealt with kind of as dark a theme as this one since the first season. Like this mm-hmm. is really kind of a callback to that original season, which was yeah. grittier and darker than some oh, of the yeah. other ended up being. And uh, there's some very horror aspects to this, which you're seeing teases of here, but like there's some, I was not prepared for those snake scenes. I was not prepared. Yeah, for I was those. not expecting. <laughs> Even though they've happened, a version of them has happened in the comics, but it was actually like the other way around. But like, still, like it was just, I was not expecting them to go there. Yeah, they yeah. look really good. Yeah, in a gross, completely gross <laughs> way. Um, I will say also, I just um, start. Corey has become one of my favorite characters oh, yeah. in this show. Yeah, that's um, great. She she's amazing here. There's Screw a whole, all those haters from the beginning. Tim man, Drake. Great. Oh, I, did you get the little nod about yes, him? Yes. <laughs> and he gets his like his bow staff, but like I just love the back and forth between him and you know Dick because he's like you know oh my god, my do I get to be what Robin? You talking about? I get to be Robin. And he's like, dude, you've been a Titan for five minutes. Like, no, <laughs> like, uh, he got he got the little lab guy's number. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then you, what's awesome too is that the the acknowledgement of that in the yeah. bus because they're all like, well, everyone else is also in on it. Of like, Hey, it's great. And I, it just feels so natural and it's not forced. And it's just fun. I just really, the show, this season, they're doing some darker stuff. Welliver is great as Lex. Um, I really like what they're doing. I will say I've had a chance to watch some of the other episodes. Um, episode three, people are going to have, uh, there's going to be like, it's and it's been advertised in this trailer. Like Jinx is in the show. Yeah, we people are going to come away with like that character is going to become a fan favorite very, very, very quickly. And it's just this superb. So I'm excited for people to see some of those things. 
Uh, I've enjoyed this, man. I really love Titans. Like, yeah, it's well, can we so talk good. about, I mean, the Titans crew also, this cast, man. man. Talk about the fit. They've yeah. been all looking fit since season one. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking tight, smoothed out, tanned out. <laughs> and I was just like, because I noticed, I was like, wait, who is this? I was like, did they replace Raven? And I looked up, I was like, oh, no, that girl just got much older than when this show started. I was like, everybody's. Well, and we see it in the trailer, too, like some of the, you know, like she's and she goes through a lot of they've done a lot of really just great work as far as them as characters and also their suits and uh, they just look. That's what I'm saying. They look like heroes, man. Yeah, they look chiseled, tan hairstyles are on point. None of this was in season one. Everything was a little bit rougher cosplay style. No, yeah, this looks mm-hmm. like the production is great. Everybody yeah. looks great. Titans cast is killing it. I'm super hyped, man. And they're, and they're so just tight-knit and, and used to these characters now. That oh, yeah. Nightwing fun. is ph- phenomenal. Yeah, like, all he, of them together is just so much fun. Yeah, so fun. Um, and yeah, Anna Diab's Coriander is just, she's just leading. So there's, well. there's a scene with her and Luther <laughs> oh. that, like, if you haven't watched it yet, like, you're going to, like, it's so good. It sets the, like, the setting for both characters so well in that scene and and there's a there's another great there's another great moment that was like, like the it was right up forward. there with uh whatchamacallit black widow and loki and uh coriander yeah. and lex scene yeah. yeah it's so good so yeah titans titans, watch, watch titans yeah hbo max there's a reason to watch there hbo max is. we just gave you one <laughs> all right now back on track matt to what you wanted to talk about now wrestling yeah let's talk some wrestling of course we cannot talk wrestling without uh connor casey friend of the show to just like have honorary co-host introduction for connor we need like wrestling intro music the yes! man be like turn backwards and yeah, sunglasses we do. Yeah, turn we around do. and be like all right next here. time next time we, yeah, do we need that, an intro. We gotta do that all right i'm connor, definitely here. down for that take it away <laughs> all right so of course crown jewel is saturday uh and there has been a lot of obviously there's always kind of a lot of talk around crown jewel uh, but because just because of how divisive like, the event itself can be sometimes and everything. Um, Gee, I wonder why. I know, right? Uh, this one, a lot of the talk has actually been around, aside from like just very, very recent developments. Uh, a lot of the talk leading into this has actually been about Roman Reigns, Logan Paul, kind of the spectacle of, of this. We have some other title matches on the card. Um, so just kind of going from there, um, what do you want to see from logan paul and roman reigns for it to like be a success in your mind so it's interesting i wasn't on when the announcement for the match was made i believe i was on vacation and i was pleasantly surprised that the initial reaction wasn't just rage from the online wrestling fan community it was more of just an eye roll and a shoulder shrug and a and this is what we have to put up with for a few weeks. Because I think fans have caught on to the fact that these shows are effectively non-canon. For you anime fans out there, this is a filler arc. It really doesn't matter. And come Monday on Raw, most of what happens on this show will not be addressed or mentioned going forward. Uh, The best example of that is last year's crown jewel with Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. They proceeded to act like that entire match did not happen come Monday. And then they just rewound the whole thing again to try and do it again at day one. And if you want a stat to back it all up, here's one for you, Matt. There have been, there have been 11 championship matches at the first three crown jewel events since the show started. Would you like to know how many champions have actually lost? How many? One. And it was Seth Rollins losing to The Fiend because they had to make up for oh, the, God, the yeah, last little mistake they made. Terrible. 
If that doesn't prove to you just how little they value these shows in terms of consequence, there's your answer. As for this one, if I have no expectations, I can't be disappointed. I have no expectations for Logan versus Roman. Here's what's going to happen. Jake Paul's out there. He's going to knock out somebody. It's probably going to be Jey Uso. Logan's going to take that one fist they keep saying has metal screws in it. He's going to pop Roman with it, get a close two count, and then Roman's going to put him away. The match won't go longer than 12 minutes. There you go. Yeah. That's I'm, look, I'm with you. I agree wholeheartedly on everything. It's that's that's why I don't get too worked up about these because it's like, yeah, it's it's I don't even like when the conversations of, you know, Logan Paul's already getting the title shot. I'm like, yeah, but it's here. It doesn't matter. Like it's not it's at the show that doesn't matter. If this were happening at a pay-per-view stateside, right, then we could talk and be like, Absolutely. oh, you're actually going to try and hurt this thing because then you're robbing. And that at that point, those those things of like, well, he's robbing someone else of a spot. Like, yeah, but it, Crown Jewel, like half the people don't even want to be in that spot. Like, it's not they don't want to right. be there. So yeah, I don't look at this. This is pure spectacle. That's why when it was announced for Crown Jewel, I was actually like, it's perfect. This is exactly what you do. You do something just off the wall. Let them run with it. You get Paul some experience, you know, in the ring and, and whatever. And then you can when you're back on your normal continuity you do you move forward with all the other stuff um so i'm i agree give me a fun match give me some fun spots and and give me some entertainment i'm good I, I, it doesn't need to you know rewrite history and you um, know you're probably gonna get that it just scrolled by the brock and bobby match that's yep. gonna be match of the night that's gonna have some crazy stuff in it if you're going for spectacle watch that match if you're going for an in-ring classic do not watch the main event <laughs> uh, you know, there's also that uh, thing of the, I don't, they made a shocking change to the women's tag team titles on Raw because I didn't see that coming. I thought that was going to be damage controlled, keeping their reign because that like in my brain made the most logical sense, but Alexa and Asuka get it. And now we have this match here. There's no way they drop those titles again, right? They're going to keep them. I have no idea what they're doing with damage control for a group that had so much hype when they arrived at SummerSlam, look at what they've actually done since then. Bailey consistently loses to Bianca in title matches. Yep. Uh, they failed to win the tag titles on their first attempt when they were vacated. They finally won them only to lose them a few weeks later on a random main event of Raw. It's weird. I, I'm just I'm I'm a little baffled by hey, this is your first real like serious female faction WWE has ever had. And you're just kind of 50 50 in them. And yeah. if Bailey loses again tomorrow, which I'm expecting, what momentum does this group have, even if they do win back the tag titles? Do you think they, they, there's, I just look at this and go, I would love for Bailey to, to pick up a title reign and move forward. I'm a big Bailey fan, but I love Bianca, right? And, I, and she's a fan. I, I don't see any chance of them dropping the title on her at Crown Jewel. Like that's a, that's a stateside pay-per-view thing. You're going to like that just doesn't Survivor Series is coming up. That would right. be the perfect spot for that to happen. So, and you you're, know, you're doing war games there. And my guess is if they do anything, it's a, a winner take all between those three titles with five with four women on each side involved. Yeah, that's that's my best guess. But yeah, yeah. no then, damage control is weirdly one of the few marks against I would put against Triple H for his first 100 days. Because yeah, actually, cool. we've hit this week. It's been 100 days since Triple H has started booking. And this is one of the few black guys where I just go, what, what are we doing here, guys? 
yeah, no, I, there was a lot of talk about long-term planning and stuff. I hope there is a plan for that and it'll all come to fruition. But right now it looks, it looks odd. Um, there was a, we're talking about Roman. So uh, there has been a lot of talk over the past year and a half. We've had a couple on this, on the show where who beats him. A lot of the first thing was Cody Rhodes. Then he got hurt and that kind of derailed any, you know, and it was like a legit injury that's going to take him off the board for a while. So, okay. You don't know where he's coming. All of the bloodline stuff has been fantastic. I love the bloodline. Sami Zayn, Sami Uso <laughs> has been amazing on the bloodline. And those chants, watching SmackDown every week, and those chants of Sami gets every time he talks. Like he he can just smile to the camera and he gets he gets a chant, right? Plans change over time. Is he the one that beats Reigns? We're looking for that face and he he turns eventually and he gets that moment and he's the one. So I think we're asking the wrong question when it comes to Sammy. This is certainly a lightning in a bottle situation, but I don't think it ends with Sammy actually beating Roman. If anything, I think what this is leading to is Sammy reuniting with Kevin Owens, us getting that big, you know, friendship hug spot. And then they turn around and beat the Usos for the undisputed tag titles at Mania. I think for as much momentum and hype as Sammy has gotten, I don't think this derails any of the plans that they have for Roman. Until I'm proven otherwise, I have resigned to the fact that Roman is walking in with both titles at WrestleMania. It's a mistake. It shouldn't be done. But he's going to walk in with both those over his shoulder, fighting The Rock. The Rock is going to lose. And then we still have the problem of Monday Night Raw not having a world championship and therefore no momentum. Acknowledge so that's not going to get fixed probably until SummerSlam because that's probably when we're getting Roman Cody. I keep hearing people pitch this idea that we're going to get Roman Cody on the first night and Roman Rock on the second night. And there's a few reasons why that's a terrible idea. Reason number one, if Roman gets hurt in that first match, y'all are screwed. Oh, my God. Number two, you do not try to detract attention away from Roman versus Rock, the biggest match you can possibly do by having a third guy come in and say, hey, by the way, Roman, I'm fighting you on the first night. Bye. No. I agree. Not going to happen. If Roman is in the room with anybody, it's Dwayne. So I agree. They're going to of if if anything, Rock's going to win the Rumble, so that that conversation of well, who's actually fighting for the title, it goes away. And we get that Black Adam fourth week swell. You know? Yeah, we have to get that Black Adam crossover, man. <laughs> It'll be on Blu-ray about it. Um, okay, yeah, no, I look. I would like to say I'm actually very much on board for Roman holding these titles. I'm. I'm you don't have to cover I'm Raw each week, which is why you say that. I would love it to be split. No, I would love the titles to be separated. I want him, obviously, as champ going into WrestleMania. That makes all the sense in the world. I'm okay with it being split in a way that protects him. There are scenarios you can do that and get the title off him. And so that Raw has a title and stuff, right? Um, but I also am very much against the two-night Cody Brock back-to-back. That, that does no one any favors. Those are big matches that you can advertise and talk about on their own. They're worthy of that. Shine a light on them. Don't just dilute them. Uh, I know we got to go, but uh, Bray Wyatt uh, has made his glorious return to WWE, and he will be appearing, which actually surprised me. He will be appearing at Crown Jewel. Um, This one actually kind of threw me because I wouldn't necessarily 
like have thought he would be on this card. So what do you think about all that? You know, with with Bray, I loved the White Rabbit thing, and I I thought the the return at Extreme Rules was fantastic. Everything since has kind of been meh, but it, it seems like it's all building. I'm still waiting for it to build to a point. The Uncle Howdy thing, where he looks like old Greg from the Mighty Boosh, all my Adult Swim heads out there, Uncle will know exactly what I'm talking about. That's that's where he's showing up in a mask where the mouth can't move, but we've zoomed up on the face, so it just looks weird. It, you don't it, like that? It's a bit of a mess right now. But then again, the Firefly Funhouse, I didn't get it at first until right. that first segment where he was actually on the set. So yeah. I, uh, Bray has proven me wrong before, and he can certainly do it again. We just need a semblance of some forward momentum. I, you, now, here's the thing. There have been the rumors that that is Bo Dallas under the mask and not Bray. Oh, okay. Believe I'm all about Bo Dallas being Uncle Howdy. I'm fine with that. Um, as the person who was not a big Bray person in the past, because I was never like the fiend, I did not get into it all. Um, Firefly Flinthouse, I liked that section of it and like the John Cena thing. I thought that was amazing. So there were highlights, but like I was never just a big buyer in on that stuff. I will say this stuff has worked for me just because of his kind of very weird personal promos that he's done. He's adapted a little bit of a different style and I, and I've been grounded by those, but yeah, it is uh, I will be curious to see what this is. Cause I, I'm just curious. Um, so, uh, so we, as we exit out, what has been, it's been a hundred days. We've seen a lot of returns. Uh, there are even some rumored ones coming up. Like, so that, that train's not stopping. What is the best return you've seen so far? And is there one that has not worked for you? Uh, the Johnny one, I think, was the best because it came out of nowhere and we, we weren't expecting it. And it, it was just very matter of fact, happened on Raw. There was no build and he's back and they've actually treated him like the Johnny Gargano of NXT yeah. as opposed to just an also ring, which was the fear everyone had if he was ever going to get called up. Um, the one that hasn't worked for me, honestly, it's the OC. I, I don't think people have, have jumped on the whole, is Carl Anderson still working for New Japan? as yeah. this massive sign that WWE is going to start working with other companies and the forbidden door is coming down and he's going, Triple H is going to swoop in and take AEW's advantage of having the good working relationships with other promotions. I don't think it's nearly as big as people think it is. They right. sent Shinsuke Nakamura off to Noah because Shinsuke is not getting booked on TV. They got Sasha Banks pretending that she's posting fan art that she's going to challenge for the IWGP women's title with Kyrie Zane. Do you really think that's actually going to happen? Probably not. And as for Carl Anderson, before he showed up on Raw, was anybody talking about the never open weight championship or his match with Hikuleo? The answer is no. It wasn't, it was, there was no hype, there were no headlines, it was nothing. And we jumped on it because, oh, my God, there's a working relationship with New Japan. They are going to show up on New Japan maybe once. And it'll be at Wrestle Kingdom. And I'll drop the belt. And we'll, it, we won't hear a peep about it on the WWE side of things. So yeah. it, it and they're just back to doing the stuff they were doing back in the COVID days. And it doesn't feel like anything's really changed on that front. So. You know, I'm always glad that they give AJ Styles something to do. But other than that, it's been meh because we just keep going back to, oh, are we teasing Bullet Club? No, not really. Yeah, no, they won't. They won't do that. Um, 
Yeah. All right. So we uh, we got to close it up there. But uh, uh, Connor, before you go, I had one just important question oh, for you. Wrestling Shoot. question. What? Uh, <laughs> Friends or Seinfeld? Which is better? Oh God, I knew it wasn't related. <laughs> um, uh, Seinfeld. No one talks about a Friends episode anymore. But if you go people, on, oh! if, if, you go, if you go on TikTok, people are doing Seinfeld parodies all the time. Who are you watching? No one, no one talks about Friends. There's not a ten minute period where a reel or a TikTok video doesn't pop up. Of Thank friends. you, Connor. And there's not a reel or TikTok. I don't see every ten minutes of someone doing a, a 2022 version of Seinfeld. Oh. Thank God. you, Connor. By the way, check out Wrestling on CB <laughs> on TikTok. You guys have been asking for a particular show to start happening. If we hit a particular milestone, that show gets greenlit. So what? go follow us on TikTok. Wait, what do we need to do? I ain't telling you another word about it. Go follow me. You better go follow CB Wrestling on TikTok. Yep, go follow on TikTok. So go follow CB Wrestling TikTok. You heard the cry. Hell All right, we got yes. a little bit of time left. Let's get to these comics. Yes. Yeah, oh, I forgot. <laughs> so much. Okay. So, uh, Batman 129, diving back into the world of Batman. This is the uh, continuing adventure of this this Gotham dominated by Failsafe, uh, the, the Failsafe created by a younger Batman, but created by Batman of Zern Ra uh, to kind of keep himself in check if you ever went in check. But a key thing is revealed here. I actually thought was interesting, which they, it was good. I needed context. So the reason why this all blew up is because Failsafe is supposed to, anytime he senses like Batman going too far, it's supposed to activate, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the past, Bruce, during his kind of monologue, reveals that it was Alfred who mm -hmm. would always turn off the false alarms because it'd be like, oh, he went a little too far. And he's like, no, he's okay. And he would turn them off. Well, since yeah, Alfred he, passed, he was the failsafe of failsafe. Yeah, he was the failsafe of failsafe. So when he passed, no one was manning that because Bruce didn't even know that yeah. this existed. So that's why he's out now. So that was, I thought that was actually a really critical piece. It's, it's only a page. Crazy but. how Chip Zdarsky can take some of the most comic booky stuff, but make it feel <laughs> like it makes sense in a way. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> when you just said that out loud, I never thought about it until you just said it out loud, but it is so complicated what they've done. So basically in the past, <laughs> after Tower of Babel, Batman knew he could freak out and needed somebody to stop him, but he couldn't trust himself to design it because he wouldn't be able to do it. So he gave it to his alternate personality that takes care of things when Batman can't. Yep. And that guy designed this thing yep. and left Alfred in charge of turning it off. Yep. But then Alfred died and now this thing, because of the penguin fake death thing, is nobody was left to turn it off. Makes perfect sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Comic books. Yeah, but makes it, perfect sense. But the thing is about Chip Zdarsky is he's so good that I don't care about any of this while I'm reading it. Like, I'm just like minute to minute, like, are they going to get away from this robot? Yeah. And it's so good. And it's, yeah, it picks up the thing. And then, of course, we get the Aquaman of it all. And, and we're seeing what I, what I love about this so far is like, obviously, in your head, you go, okay, well, the way to beat him would be to do the opposite of what you would do, right? Because he thinks like you and he's faster than you. And he's just, he's, he's a robot. So he doesn't even have to do the things you have to do. So then do what he's not expecting. Well, that's harder, especially when you're Batman and someone that, that's all you do is think about scenario. That's harder to do than you would expect. But I love how Zdarsky is like planting those seeds. You see a little bit of that here, but it's not just like this switch where it's, yeah. it would be treated in a lot of places of like, all right, I'm not thinking like myself. And then in five minutes, we're going to solve this and beat it. I like that we're seeing like little bits of that. And it's just done in a, in a, as realistic a way as I feel like you can do in this kind of story, grounded way. What did you think, Janelle? I am about this. I love me some Terminator Batman. 
I it's a different take on Batman because, as you know, we've been on a little bit of an overload of Batman content, and I'm I, it still feels refreshing and something different. Um, I love that they're working in obviously like Justice League peeps. And, um, and that's really cool to see and how it's really affecting the bigger world beyond just like Gotham and Batman. And I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah, no, agreed. I I like that we're, we're seeing how failsafe poses a a threat to just like everybody, but doesn't leave. Yeah. (laughs) But like all these people are held up somewhere. (laughs) Um, But then, uh, let's move into Marvel and secret invasion. Number one. Uh, this is, uh, this is written by Ryan North, who I adore because Ryan North wrote the amazing Squirrel Girl <laughs> series. And if you've read, never read that, you should, cause it's fantastic. So anyway, he's doing Secret Invasion. It's awesome. You should read that. Anyway, that's where we got awesome, nice guy, Craven the Hunter as a forever treasure. Anyway, Secret Invasion number one, uh, picks up in a, in a very, <laughs> derailed us. it picks up in a very interesting spot, a very, I would say typical spot for this kind of book, right? It's Nick Fury focused. It's Maria Hill focused. And you're seeing kind of this, how this storyline plays out. And it's, it's actually very creepy. And it, it's not a, like we were talking about Titans before, like leaning into the horror. This is not that it's just like unsettling in a lot of places. And the artwork is really good at that. Like yeah. kind of just something's off, but you don't know what is off and it gives that feeling. And then we kind of get a big, a bigger twist. And we move into that secret invasion style arc that we've seen in the past of this, you know, invasion and everything's not what you you think it is. And uh, can we trust everybody? And I and they are kind of, you know, not meta about it, but they address that. Like, no, we're not going to fall into that trap. Like they yeah. address what happened before. But then that was the good word for this. Those oh, things still seep in. So. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed this issue. Uh, I, the, the twist at the end, you know, I mean, it did its job. I feel like it hooked me and I want to see how this progresses, but what you got more interested to see what you guys thought about this. This was, I mean, like squirrel girl, it was weird. It was very weird. (laughs) Just, it was weird. Like because of the entry point of how they got into the story. And I'm kind of like, I feel like this book is one that is bouncing around between Marvel comics and the TV because there is obviously the secret invasion TV series. Right. And I think this book is kind of to soften us up on our ex- expectations for what that will be because everybody's coming in. I think still, even though Captain Marvel should have told you that like the secret invasion TV series is going to be a very different thing than yeah. the comic show. We than the comic book storyline, people are still kind of leaning in that. But I think this book is here to kind of maybe start to reframe our expectations for what it will be because there are certain scenes in here that feel like they are, almost carbon echoes of what we saw in the trailer for the show. Mm. Like in the show, we saw that awesome scene of Nick Fury going into a restaurant and yeah. realizing that everybody in the restaurant is a scroll and that it's a big trap, which is how this book essentially begins Yeah, with him going in and being like, Oh, I'm looking at a scroll. No, Oh, all of you are those, you know, and that kind of reversal. Um, and they've set themselves up for an ambitious thing because yeah, meta is a great word. This book is coming out, realizing it's carrying this title of this thing that already happened, but saying we can't do this thing again. Yeah. Like obviously we would have learned from the first time, like that you, that you people tried to sneak into our planet and take it over. So we have things in place for this now. And this book is kind of an aha back and forth about do they really have the upper hand on this or not? And I think the artwork, and I think one thing that is really good about the book is that it keeps you guessing. Yeah. Every scene, you don't know if Fury is talking to Maria Hill mm-hmm. and that's Maria Hill or right. 
did he, you get fooled? Or is this even really Fury? And is the story he's telling, is he a reliable narrator? Did he get scrolled? And this is just a scroll we're going to, we're talking to like all that stuff keeps you off balance and keeps you guessing, which is a hard trick to pull off with secret evasion twice. Yeah. But so far it seems like they're doing it. Janelle, what'd you think? Um, I thought they did a really good job of keeping me interested. I, I liked the juxtaposition of like what he was telling her right. versus what was actually happening. Um, it was just a unique style uh, comic for me. Like I've not seen anything really play out like that. So uh, I'm very interested. And obviously it does set up the show for me really well because right. I don't know a lot about uh, the scrolls and all of these these backstories. I don't know Secret Invasion, so this is my first Secret Invasion comic book, um, and I I think they did a good job of hooking me and making me interested in the story. Yeah, well, and you know, like you like you both talked about, one of the things too is like trying to follow up on something that's already been is hard, harder than it was before because we had the element of surprise before. That new Avengers scene will always resonate with me because yeah. when you figure out Electra, like that scene that started the dominoes. hit you. Yeah. And it hit all the dominoes because you hadn't seen it before. And now we already know those things happen. But yeah, I will say the artwork. There's that scene where they all meld into the wall where they take the camo of the of the wall oh, or the yeah. furniture. That freaked me out, man. Oh, no, some, there's some freaky stuff. There's some freaky stuff. So yeah, yeah but I would was... definitely recommend checking it out. Just yeah, you're you might be, I don't know how you'll feel depending on how you feel about the original, but that's yeah. comics. But I think for Janelle hit it that like, yeah, it's a good one. If you've never read Secret Wars, I didn't think about that. I just assume everybody's mine. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel 43. We'll talk about it real quick, Janelle. I'm going to let you go off on it uh, because this is the X-Men Captain Marvel team that we've been waiting for and I've been excited about. What did you think? Yeah, uh, really good job. I know we have to be quick, but like really exciting. I don't know about Brood. Is it Brood? I hope I'm saying Brood, it right. Yeah, uh, Brood. yeah I, I don't know about Brood, but they laid out the backstory and her first interaction with them. And I got that. I, everything was really easy to digest and understand. Wait, what? Oh, question mark. I see a, co a question mark. Kofi. Oh, look at this graphic. How is the Captain Marvel graphic like our hottest comic graphic? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's the great cover. <laughs> I, I don't know. This one's pretty great, guys. I, I feel like we should definitely be, be on the lookout for this one. If you are a big comic book reader, I'm very impressed with the art. I really like the interactions with mutants. And, um, and I'm very curious where they're going and what is about to happen. The ending of this, where we're left off, you're like shook. What? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to spoil it because it's literally just the last page, and you're like, oh my god, what happened? Yeah, no, I think Janelle said it best. Yeah, definitely check this. this. Is the brand new start of a brand new arc? But for longtime Captain Marvel fans, there is a lot there that is being mined, and and Kelly Thompson has done a wonderful job of putting unique spins on that. So, uh, what Janelle said, hundred percent recommend. So yeah, that, that's comics. <laughs> all right, and that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation, your only show that does it all for geek culture, as you saw today. Oh, we had a talk with a legendary comic seriously. creator. We talked DC. We talked Star Wars, wrestling, comic books. Strangely, I don't think we talked any Marvel today, which is like the first time. We talked about Marvel in the... Well, I mean, in the comics, yes, but uh, no, no Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is weird. But we will be all about that next week because yeah. next week, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will be out. We will be talking about that, of course. So Marvel will get us day. But if you are just now jumping in the show, please follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts is our biggest. You can also subscribe to the Comic Book Nation YouTube page, even if you watch on Twitch. And we love our Twitch crowd. And we don't want you to go anywhere. But uh, even if you watch on Twitch, do please 
subscribe to the YouTube page and tell a friend to do the same so, so we can have all our dope content getting out there to a larger and larger audience. Otherwise, we hope to see all of you back, especially our regulars. We'll work on your gear and stuff like that for all our day ones. I haven't forgotten, but uh, we'll work on that. We'll start hitting up Jim. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, Comic Book Nation, you can always watch us on Paramount Plus throughout the week. Be sure to do that on Mixable and peace. Hi, guys.